interested in this way that you trace histories of colonization and symptoms of colonization through things like fruits and trees. I know you've worked a lot on the banana uh, in the last few years, and perhaps you can, methodologically also, I mean, I think it would be interesting to talk about the work, this work you've done on the banana in terms of the monoculture, but also in terms of its representations in popular culture and how that accompanies uh, a politics and a history of, of, of coloniality. Well, my interest in the banana started by the fact that in Europe, uh, in during soccer game, uh, uh, spectators will send a banana on the, on the field, and everyone will understand it was against the black players. You did not have to say something. The banana itself was anti-black racism. And in Turkey, they had like big banana, inflatable banana that they were, you know, like waving as soon as black players. And so the fact that that fruit you did not, they did not have to yell anything, right? Meant everyone, and the black player understood it was about them. So that triggered why have the banana become a symbol of anti-black racism? You know, in the way that you don't need to say anything. Everyone understands that the banana is not just, you know, throwing banana because they are, people are not happy or whatever with the game, is against the black player. And this is, Turkey, Germany, Italy, Spain, everywhere it was. So apparently it was like a, a Brazil, a globe, you know, like a global vocabulary of anti-blackness. So from there, I, I pulled the thread and started to look at everything, you know? And so starting to trade the, uh, it was like to start also from a banal thing. Uh, I mean, a fruit that is given to children is given to the elderly, is very good, and the, and the skin protect it from the pesticide and insecticide that are thrown on the plant, banana plantation. So it's a perfect fruit. But then, and it's everywhere, Every, everywhere, and it's the airport, everywhere. So the ubiquity and at the same time the sign of anti-black racism interested me, and this is what I started from that thing and pulled all the thread, as you say. So first it was, where was it domesticated? And is itinerary, New Guinea, and they moved to India and so on. Then um, it's all in uh, slave trade and slavery. In slavery, the banana tree, uh, because of the large leaves, protect, you know, uh, all the plant under. And the plantain, you could feed the enslaved. You could feed the enslaved. But it was not yet a, a, a food for consumption. And then it was an Englishman who got a banana in the Kew Garden, south of London, and decided, oh, that's a very interesting food, and I'm going to you know, like, try to commercialize it. And it started like that, and then it started, then the US was interested. And then you started to have the plantation in Central America. And then this, and one of the threads is US imperialism and the Banana Republic and all the military coup that go. But at the same time, the US has to make the banana, um, that the middle class will want the banana, you know, the American banana. So I discovered also an incredible advertisement campaign for the American woman of the suburb, the white American suburb, woman of the suburb, this is in the 50s, she won the banana. 
So huge contest of banana recipe all over the place. You know, all this magazine for women with like banana. Totally disgusting recipe. <laughs> totally, 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 totally. Oh my God. Oh my God, scary, scary. You know, oh God. But then after with a little clip on the advertisement, you see the white woman with her hat on and the banana, and she brings the banana to the family and the family is very happy. So you have the advertisement, you know, you do that. But also why this possible? Because uh, invention of refrigeration in the ships, and so new things. So all this, you put a thread every time, advertisement, recipe, woman at home, the construction of the white woman at home, you know, the white middle class in the suburb, and she has, and the banana is very good. Hygiene, the idea of hygiene, US hygiene, the banana is very hygienic. Then you pull the, was the music, you know, a lot of things, of, I mean, apparently the banana is a very source of creation in music. But then the question of uh, anti-black racism is uh, connected. Yeah, um, you have two threads, is Josephine Baker and her dance with the banana uh, skirt. Because she, I don't know if you remember, she go down from a tree with a monkey and there was a white man sleeping at the, uh, you know, under the tree. And she come down like a monkey, like a monkey with a little monkey and she dance a very elastic dance and so on with the banana. And she has a song that uh, uh, banana, you eat it by the small hand. <laughs> I mean, it's very, you know, very double entendre, right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, you get it quite quickly. And that's one thing. And the other thing was Chiquita Banana in the US with Carmen Miranda. And so the Latina, the sexy Latina dancing was hiding the Latina which was being exploited in the plantation. And then you had also during the Cold War, the banana was a weapon against Soviet Union. And the CIA had the theme was why the Kremlin ate banana. Uh, hatred, you know, the hatred of... I hate banana. Yeah, the communists don't like bananas. You know. <laughs> I mean, they, okay. So it's like incredible, you know, from this totally fruit, you know, like, with nothing that you find every day. You could pull all this story. And also it's one specific kind of banana. And then, it's, so, and then you get into the pesticide, insecticide, the chemical industry. You get also into now the research to have the perfect banana. Because for the Western people, if the banana is not that curved and that yellow, it's not a banana. Right? So also because it can fit like that in the box. And so any kind of, so also banana, it's a huge diversity of banana. When I grew up, there were like, I, I remember six kind of banana, you know, in my island. So all this, it's like science, racism, sexuality, because the banana is connected for whatever reason with the male organ. Um, music, song, advertisement, recipe, middle class, whiteness, anti-black. It's incredible, you can pull all this thread from that thing. So that was the methodology. To, uh, from one very banal thing that we see everywhere, to tell the, that story that covered geography, um, imperialism, sexuality, race, gender, uh, pesticide, chemical industry, uh, transportation. Uh, it, 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 it's very wide. And art, of course, because the Andy Warhol or the last banana in Miami that was sold for, you know. So 
the, the incredible importance of banana, you know, uh, you know, um, and you had a, uh, dem after the story in uh, in Miami of the banana being sold for whatever, like one hundred fifty thousand. You had a strike in Miami with you know uh, people wearing banana, saying our life is less than banana, and in Poland, a demonstration also with banana, saying you know, like why aren't we banana, you know. <laughs> So it's it's very strange. I mean, the the what is embodied. So that's what interested me, and the fact that effectively, even in my island now, you find just one kind of banana. And the banana, and also the banana, the pollution in in Martinique and Guadeloupe. To go back, to, if we go back to Cesar, and um, where the two islands are polluted for generations now, generations, the soil, the river. Everything, the, the water, the, the lagoon, and everything is polluted by uh, uh, an insecticide that was forbidden in the U.S. and forbidden in France, but continue to be used. So that's the kind of rational um, uh, externalization of, of pollution. Since you mentioned Césaire, I could follow up with, with something, because I reread your interviews with Césaire today, and uh, some passages stuck with me. Um, and as you were speaking, I was just wondering, what is it that makes you, that might make you kind of pick up on the banana and go to all of these different, what, what is it that constitutes a way of looking mm. at, at something or a way of, of wanting to go beyond a certain perception of something? And it may or may not be related, but you were saying, um, You know, the, the Réunion is an insignificant island, but, but of course it, it forms a certain way of, of, of relating to nature, of looking at things, of, of not being at the center. And the, the passage I was thinking of in the interviews with uh, Césaire is when you ask him, you ask him about Haiti, and we have some Haitian friends in, in the room, so it's nice to speak about Haiti. It's always nice to speak about Haiti. And important, but you say Haiti occupies an important place in your work. You wrote an essay on Toussaint Louverture, and you went to Haiti early on in your career, etc. So I'm not going to read you his whole answer, but I'm interested in what he said about Haiti in relation to the French Revolution, mm. and about the the things that people who talk about the French Revolution don't talk about, in, in and in particular colonialism. So he says. I was intrigued by Toussaint Louverture, and immediately I thought about the French Revolution. You have to begin with the French Revolution to get to Toussaint Louverture. They go hand in hand. In my research, I didn't find anything on this topic, even in the classic works on the colonial question during the French Revolution. Now, colonialism isn't a single chapter of this history, but rather something fundamental to it. I'm no historian, but I started studying the French Revolution. I did my own research. I wanted to understand what had happened. The French Revolution is plagued by a major problem, but it's brushed aside cavalierly, even by specialists. I'm talking about the problem of colonialism. I went back to primary sources, and I came up with a very different idea than the one put forth by real historians. I'm a specialist too, you know. I am black. And so they, he keeps going, I mean, I'll, I'll read you the following few lines. They have, they have white blood, mine is black, and we have a very different point of view. Naturally, I have a, 
a different understanding of the French Revolution, a different understanding of Toussaint Louverture, and a different understanding of Haiti. This understanding could be right or wrong, but it's mine. But I like this idea that I have a specialty too. I'm black. That, that is actually a specialty that goes beyond whatever they could see or say or, or do, right? Yeah, situated knowledge. Yeah, IT, and for me also, you know, I wanted to ask this question because for me, IT is extremely important in the history of revolution, of course, and in the history of emancipation. And the fact that Haitian revolution does, still does not belong to the narrative of the Great Revolution of 18th century. And for me, it's absolutely more than the French, the English, or the American Revolution, because it is anti-slavery, anti-colonial, anti-racial. A revolution that goes that far at that moment, and it's quite exceptional, and has been effectively buried because of that. It cannot be known. It cannot be said at all scope because black people got their freedom. So, and that also because Napoleon was defeated. One of the first defeats by Napoleon was there. So, no, we, Waterloo is more glamorous, you know, because beaten by the British, there is a certain... Because it's between European, mm -hmm. you know, it's between white people, so that can... But being beaten by black people, oh God, no, that's not possible. And so, yes, I wanted to know that, and of course, uh, the Le Roi Christophe, the play, because Césaire, always, I, I asked him, he was very also interested very much in when the revolution come to power, what happened. And the... Uh, the pitfall of power, and he was always concerned with his own island. And uh, uh, and so, because when he went to Haiti, he was, um, he saw that it was, as he said, the mulatto that were in power and had marginalized the black people. And he was very concerned by, and in his biography of Toussaint Louverture, he ended by saying that Toussaint Louverture understood the question of human rights and, uh, and the, right of, the right of human, but then um, got too much stuck in the Western understanding of that and did not go further, did not go enough, enough far, right? And, and that's why he was at the end of his biography of Toussaint Louverture. So I was interested in that and his play on Le Roi Christophe, because I think uh, Le Roi Christophe is an incredible, interesting figure also. And so for me, it's also an effective for him, what it meant, and in the Caribbean, and what Haiti still mean. And at the same time, also what is, is meditation on power, that, that, um, that both in his biography and to Saint-Ouverture and his play. Uh, le roi Christophe.